My name is Scott Nye, and this is Talking Radical Radio. Hello and welcome to Talking Radical Radio, where we bring you grassroots voices from across Canada. We give you the chance to hear many different people who are facing many different struggles, talk about what they're doing, how they're doing it, and why they're doing it, in the belief that such listening is a crucial step in strengthening all of our efforts to change the world. On this week's show, I'll be speaking with Samantha Smith, Leslie Scott, and Robert Crooks. We don't often hear it talked about in this way, but according to many analysts, and even the United Nations, we're in the middle of a long-term housing crisis that is global in scope. Housing is increasingly treated as a commodity, powerful corporate investors increasingly dominate rental markets, and in Canada at least, it has been decades since governments last invested substantial amounts in creating housing that is non-market, social, and rent-geared to income. Changes in the labor market over a similar time span mean that precarious, low-wage work has become much more common, social assistance rates are vastly inadequate and stagnant or close to it. Put it all together and you have a situation not just in one place, not just in a few places, but in most places, where rents are going up faster than income. Often much faster. And this was before COVID. In Canada, this has been most starkly evident for the longest time in Toronto and Vancouver. But these days, there aren't many cities untouched by it. A major study done for the city of Winnipeg in January 2020 found that almost 40% of tenants in the city are living in housing that is unaffordable. This is defined as paying more than 30% of their income on rent, and it's understood to put people at risk of homelessness. Even higher proportions of indigenous people, racialized people, recent immigrants, and of course people with low incomes are facing housing affordability problems in the city. Critics have identified recent provincial policy proposals in Manitoba as following the same market-based approach to housing that has in part created this situation. Measures that would privatize existing public housing, subsidize private landlords, and refuse to invest in new social housing, among other things. West Broadway is a small neighborhood next to Winnipeg's downtown. In the most recent census, its population was listed as a little bit more than 5,000 people. More than 90% of these residents rent their housing, and slightly less than half meet the government definition of low income. Much like tenants around the world, those in West Broadway are facing lots of lousy landlords, rents that are too high, and rent increases that are too steep. Even 15 years ago, people were writing with concern about gentrification in the neighborhood. That is, processes that make an area more expensive, push out existing residents, and cater to newer, wealthier residents. And that has only intensified in the years since. Sam Smith, Les Scott, and Rob Crooks are renters and current and former residents of West Broadway. And they're active members of the West Broadway Tenants Committee. Initiated by the West Broadway Community Organization in 2017, today the committee is a standalone grassroots group of renters who are committed to organizing for tenant justice and building tenant power to oppose evictions, excessive rent increases, and abuse from landlords. Over their existence, they've done a range of kinds of outreach, organized events with tenants in the neighborhood, and supported tenants in navigating legal processes for challenging landlords. The kind of organizing that they do has been hit particularly hard by the restrictions and distancing necessitated by COVID-19, but in recent months, as the pandemic has intensified pressures on tenants, the group has been revitalized. 
They're focusing on ways to help tenants be more aware of their rights, and on supporting tenants in forming groups within their buildings to push back collectively against abusive landlords and above-guideline rent increases. Manitoba has rent control, but they argue that the system makes it very easy for landlords to get approval for excessive increases unless they're challenged by tenants. For the moment, their approach has largely involved making use of official processes, albeit in collective ways. But they have been having conversations about adopting the direct action tactics being increasingly employed by tenants in other cities. As well, they're hoping to contribute to broader efforts to pressure the municipal and provincial governments around creating more social housing and strengthening the rights of tenants. I speak with Smith, Scott, and Crooks about what tenants in Winnipeg are facing and about the work of the West Broadway Tenants Committee. My name is Samantha Smith, and I've been living in West Broadway for five years. And I've been on a committee since day one, back in September 2017. I guess I was asked to be on it by a former member because of my relationship to advocating with those of us with disabilities and mental illness. I've been advocating for disability rights since 1998. I found out quickly that somebody had to stand up for disability rights out there. So I've been doing that and mental illness rights. And one of the big issues that I've always came up across is housing, because about half of us cannot afford a safe place to live. There often comes up slum landlords. So I've always had to deal with that. And then three years ago, I had a mental breakdown because of a personal issue. And that same year, an ex-tenants committee member who was in my building, we were talking and she asked me to be involved with it. So I went down there and I started being involved with it. So that's why I do advocating and why I worry about housing and tenants issues altogether. My name's Rob. I've been with the West Broadway Tenants Committee for just over a year, since last October or around then. I'm a member of the Communist Party of Canada. I haven't been doing advocacy in housing for very long. I started when I joined the West Broadway Tenants Committee. The reason I was interested in that kind of work was that I had lived in West Broadway and I had experienced bad landlords and really excessive rent increases and was basically chased out of the neighborhood from those things. And at the time when that stuff was going on, I didn't really know what my rights were. I never heard the term above guideline rent increase. I didn't really know even what the residential tenancy branch was. And so by joining the West Broadway Tenants Committee, I started just to learn more about it and got a lot of great experience working with the other people in the group who had more experience than I. I think we've had some success in the past few months. And I'm looking forward to having more and to building more tenant power in the neighborhood and throughout the city. Because obviously, with the pandemic and the economic fallout, there's going to be a lot of issues that are coming up. The situation in Manitoba and in Winnipeg was already pretty bad before the pandemic with the provincial government selling off its social housing and with the rent, you know, over the past 20 years skyrocketing, going way higher than income is increasing. So it's clear that we're going to need to keep building this as we go forward. My name is Les Scott. I am a residential support worker for people with intellectual disabilities. Other organizations I've been involved with, Manitoba Energy Justice Coalition for a few years, 
And also recently, I've started working with Communities Not Cuts, which is an organization that is opposing the sort of austerity-minded policies of the provincial government. I live in West Broadway. I've been a resident of the neighborhood off and on for most of my adult life, you know, the past 30-some years. I knew there were lots of problems with landlords. And I started getting involved with the Attendance Committee about a year and a half ago and started regularly attending meetings about a year ago. The Attendance Committee is a grassroots advocacy group working at building tenants' rights and powers in the community of West Broadway. And we are working to oppose exploitative and negligent landlords and advocate for greater knowledge of the specifics and the deficiencies of the Provincial Residential Tenancies Act and helping tenants in the neighborhood unite to oppose evictions, excessive rent increases, and abuse from landlords. We want to unite tenants together to try and establish some power against the property-owning class, which always seems to get the best deal. People that wanted to start it that had to do with West Broadway Community Organization. And since then, it kind of blossomed into our own thing. They just wanted to get it started for us because there was nothing in the area to help tenants in regards to landlord issues and whatever else that comes up in regards to renting. So that's how we started with a whole list of what we wanted to accomplish. So what is the West Broadway neighborhood like? West Broadway is a rather unique neighborhood. It's very small. The last census is 5,300 or so people in the neighborhood. It's very close to downtown. 92% of the residents are actually tenants in the area, which is much higher than the rest of the city. And almost 50% would be considered low income. It has a population density of close to 8,000 per square kilometer. The rest of the city of Winnipeg is about 1,400 people per square kilometer. Much of the housing stock in the area is older, and it does have a fair amount of also social housing as well. And it's a very nice neighborhood to live in, actually, if you like to walk. Everything is very close by, and it's very close to downtown. You got everything between shops and restaurants and walking space, just about everything. And very good bus service in this area. What kinds of things has the group done at different points to let tenants in the neighborhood know that you exist? Well, recently we've printed off some pamphlets that were trying to let different tenants know about their rights and trying to encourage them to form committees in their own building to fight evictions related to COVID and to fight rent increases. I know we've also put posters up. We've also tabled at different community events and have printed different pamphlets about different educational issues for tenants. Before COVID came up, we used to have events to organize and introduce ourselves. I don't think we had one since Robin Les joined. COVID is not a best time to have large groups of people right now. Yeah, it's made it really difficult. Some of us have been trying to get into apartment buildings to slip pamphlets under doors or to try to get friends who live in apartment buildings to do that too. It's definitely been a challenge with the city on lockdown. We also have social media, of course. What kinds of things have you been hearing from tenants in the neighborhood? What kinds of things are they facing? One of the biggest concerns are above guideline rent increases. 
In Manitoba, there is rent control, but it's pretty easy for landlords to get around it. They pretty much just have to ask. I think that last year, in 2019, 100% of above guideline increases were approved. It's a very complicated process to challenge these excessive rent increases. And yeah, that's one of the things we were working on is helping people go through that process. We also come along sometimes with some landlords that we have to help people with issues and try to get them yes, to there, be afraid, of course. There's quite a number of instances of harassment by landlords and in trying to provide support for people in that case. Because often, if you complain to the residential tenancy board about a landlord, they will say, well, that's a police matter. The police say, no, that's a residential tenancy board matter. So we have to try and come in and, and find a way to remediate the situation or help with that. What kinds of forms does that harassment take? It can be threats. It can be withholding maintenance, not doing repairs. Plus verbal abuse, sometimes lies. Caretakers will lie to the people that own the buildings on tenants just to get tenants out that they don't want. You mentioned above-guideline rent increases. Setting the question of increases aside for a moment, how able are people in the neighborhood to pay the existing rents? People that are working, it's easier for them to pay, but it shouldn't be a huge increase with rent controls. But people who I help, people with disabilities on EIA. Uh, That stands for Employment and Income Assistance, Manitoba's social assistance program. They can't afford it. So more and more of us are being shoved out and living on the streets because of it. I mean, they used to have, well, I do have, but not right now with COVID, but I do have some short-term rooming options for people with disabilities that get abandoned, like their landlord kicks them out or whatever, or turns their building into a condo. So sometimes I go out and actually look for these people to try to hook them up with short-term places to live. But right now, that's all dried up because of COVID. They don't want to take a risk bringing in any more tenants right now. So it's a big issue when there's a big, huge increase. I know that in some cities like Vancouver and Toronto, conversion to condos and what sometimes get called renovictions are a pretty huge issue. Does that happen a lot in West Broadway? Yes, it's quite prevalent in the neighborhood now, especially as a lot of the downtown nearby is being redeveloped. The hockey team came back and the True North people uh, sort of got control of much of the downtown. Uh, True North is the company that owns the Winnipeg Jets. They're pushing out all the poor people from downtown. They're moving farther and farther and they're moving into our neighborhood now too. As well too, the provincial government is neglecting social housing The provincial government favors the market as the best way to house people and has been neglecting the stock of social housing and has been trying to sell it off, which is also another big problem for low-income housing in the area. Plus, there's at least four condos that have been built in the area, too. So in the face of these problems, the high rents, the rent increases, the evictions, the abuse of landlords, the conversions to condos and all the rest... What is the committee's response? Our main focus in the committee has been to try to build tenant power. And what that has meant has been trying to contact 
people from apartment buildings who are facing large rent increases and try to have them get in contact with the other tenants in the building so that when they challenge a rent increase to the residential tenancies branch, they can do it united as opposed to individually. Because if a landlord is saying that they put in you know, this much money to improve suites, but they only improved 80% of the suites, then an individual going to the RTB and saying, well, they didn't do anything to my suite, you know, the RTB can just dismiss it and be like, well, they did it to the other suites. But if you have the majority of the tenants in the building coming to the RTB, you have a better chance of fighting those rent increases. We've also recently been able to get tenants into contact with legal aid and do these workshops to inform the tenants about what their rights are and what kind of paths they can take. In terms of the overall picture with affordability in the city, there needs to be a much bigger movement against this push to offload social housing onto the private market and to replace publicly owned housing with privately owned housing and then supplying government aid, which really doesn't cover the cost of living in the city and really only does little else but to line the pockets of landlords. And even when these property developers are getting incentives to build affordable housing, that affordable housing only has to stay affordable for you know 20 years or less. So after they've wasted public money on giving it to these developers, essentially that housing is lost to the private market. And even what's considered affordable by the provincial government is, you know, obviously it's not affordable. They only take into account what the like median rent is, which is like over $900, I think, for a single unit. And they consider anything under that affordable. And while like rents are increasing, like rents have increased 53% since 2001, while income has only risen 39%. So there needs to be some big changes where I think all three levels of government need to work together to increase the amount of actually publicly owned social housing and have that housing be rent geared to income instead of based on these subsidies and government handouts to landlords. That's the other issue I'm dealing with with EIA because they have been frozen since 1992. The rents have increased since then. And on the disability side, if you live in market rent, you're only allowed $632 for rent. So the rest Mm -hmm. have to come with basic needs and that leaves no money for food. And on subsidized rent, the most you could get is $285 from $243 to $285 for subsidized. Depends on how many utilities are involved. So the rents have skyrocketed and people on EIA, just general assistance or disability, they can't afford a place to live. So say someone is living in a building in West Broadway and they get in touch with you and say, hey, my landlord is proposing this really steep rent increase and I don't know what to do about it. Walk listeners through what happens next, through the process of organizing. We try to get our email out there, our social media, and we receive messages through either of them. And the next step usually has been to schedule a time where we can go meet that tenant with literature So usually pamphlets that talk about the tenants' rights, and we also try to plan a workshop where we can meet all the tenants together and also bring someone from legal aid to go through what their rights are and what kind of path they can take to fight the above guideline rent increase. These workshops during COVID, during the summer, we were able to meet outside 
it's really important, I think, to have tenants talk to each other as well. And so to have these sessions is kind of a chance for tenants to talk about the issues they're having because more often than not, the tenants are isolated and they don't realize that the issues they're having with the landlord are the same issues that everyone is having with the landlord. And so it's really important to have time in those workshops for the tenants to talk about what they've been going through and then to have someone from legal aid to, again, go over their rights. Often when we get tenants together, we find someone from the building who acts as a leader for the rest of them, sort of organizes things, gets information together so that our fellow from the public interest law center that can represent them at the tenancy board. They can get more information because the more information they have, the better chance they have to have success in their fight against the tenancy board. So after you challenge the above guideline rent increase, then someone has to go down to the tenancy board and get the file for the landlord for that particular building and go through it to establish what the landlord can legitimately cite as costs to justify the increase. And often that can be wildly inappropriate, but unless someone challenges it, it usually gets passed without anyone looking at it. And then, yeah, the board will then look at the evidence brought by the tenants and make a decision on that increase. I know that along with helping tenants get together and supporting people through various legal processes and so on, tenant groups in some cities have also taken up more confrontational tactics, more direct action types of things. Is that something your committee has done? In my time with the committee, we have not gotten to that yet. We've discussed it. I think it's, again, like the pandemic has really made things difficult to organize. Well, this is before Lesson Rob came along. But at one point, we challenged a whole company for the abuse of tenants and extremely large rent increases when they weren't supposed to put it that much. So we got the media involved and they had to change a lot of things with how they do things and treating tenants and the rent increases for no apparent reason. They're still a problem, but they're not as problematic as before. Along with making it harder to organize, at least in some places, the pandemic is also meaning that larger numbers of people are getting evicted. Is that something that you're seeing? I don't think we've seen a lot of it in Winnipeg, but I could be wrong. What we've heard from the Residential Tenancy Board is that evictions are about average, the number of hearings they're doing. But that doesn't mean that people aren't being evicted. It's just a lot of people don't know their rights. And if the landlord tells them to go, they'll leave. They won't bother challenging it. So it's hard to say. Yeah, and it's difficult with the added factor that there was a moratorium on evictions and on rent increases. And now that that's been lifted, we're seeing up to 30% or more rent increases. And because people don't really know their rights and because the residential tenancy branch isn't really doing anything to improve that, to inform tenants of their rights, you're just seeing people get a notice from their landlord and leave without challenging it. Which poses another problem because a lot of people won't be able to find a place to live that they could afford. We've been trying to keep up with what's been going on in terms of evictions, and we're kind of surprised that we haven't seen the numbers that we were expecting. But like Les said, the worry is that there's a lot of kind of hidden evictions, if you want to call it that. Which is why I think we should get our name out more because of the hidden evictions, because many people are too scared. 
What have you found to be the most effective way of countering that fear and helping other tenants see that together they can resist and they can speak up against landlords? Talking, I think, helps. I could be wrong. I think talking and letting people know that they don't have to face things alone and they have rights because many people do not know that they have rights in regards to renting an apartment. Yeah, and I think one of the most important things, too, to go off what Sam was saying is to encourage tenants to speak with each other and to even try to form some medium of communication between themselves, whether it's through a group text or whether it's through posting bulletins on a bulletin board at the front door if their building has something like that. Because too often, I think that the issues that tenants are having with their landlords they think it's isolated or they think it's just them. They don't realize that it's not just them. Everyone in their building is probably facing similar issues in West Broadway. I mean, it's not just in your building. It's, it's a widespread issue all throughout the neighborhood. It's not just West Broadway either. It's the whole city. We were talking about expanding to help other people too in other areas. What are the most important reforms that the provincial government could make to support tenants? I mean, I have a lot of ideas. I'm not sure what would be the most important or the most realistic in the near future. I think that it would be really good if the city would hire more housing staff, because right now the city only has one person dedicated to housing on staff, and it makes it very difficult for the city to play any part in maintaining or creating affordable housing. And the city has basically just washed their hands of the issue. And, you know, with the PC government in power now, they're much more concerned with selling off social housing stock. But I think if the city had a larger housing staff, then they could coordinate between all three levels of government and leverage the federal money that's going out as part of the national housing strategy to create more publicly owned social housing. The solution is making safe and affordable housing a right for everyone. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that's a long ways off. But could also change the Rental Tenancy Act and the Tenancy Board to make it more active rather than reactive. Because you can only get action from it if you complain. And then you end up going up against a landlord who is represented by lawyers and property management companies. And so things are skewed against you. So if it could be more of an advocacy for tenants to help level the playing field between them and landlords, that would be a start as well. I would also like to see legislation in regards to EIA because the funds have been frozen and the rental part needs to be unfrozen or something because too many people are not being able to afford a place to live. They can't even afford a rooming house anymore. And a lot of places are not really good because of that issue. I would like to see something change in that in regards to legislation in, within the EIA system. You have been listening to my interview with Samantha Smith, Leslie Scott, and Robert Crooks of the West Broadway Tenants Committee. To learn more about the group, search for West Broadway Tenants Committee on Facebook. To find out more about Talking Radical Radio, the guests, the theme music, and the ways that you can listen, go to talkingradical.ca and click on the link for the radio show.
On the site, you can sign up for email updates or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, SoundCloud, and other platforms. I'm Scott Nye, a writer and media producer based in Hamilton, Ontario, and the author of two books of Canadian history told through the stories of activists, published by Fernwood Publishing. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you tune in again next week. Thank you.